Hello mummers, Laura here and today we are chatting all about crawling, when you should realistically expect this milestone to happen and all the weird and wonderful ways our children may begin to move. Enjoy! Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes, it's time for you to guide you through, let's take some time for Hello mummers and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today we are kicking off with episode three in our kids physio series, diving into the crawling milestone. So Nicole explains the realistic timeframes in which you should expect this to occur, the different ways in which kids may begin to move and why you don't need to panic if they don't start with hands and knees crawling. Ways that you can change your environment to encourage this movement pattern and why it is sometimes important to let our kids get a little bit frustrated. (laughs) Now, this is episode three of a five-part kids physio series with the incredible Nicole Pates, a titled pediatric physiotherapist. And if you haven't already listened to the first two episodes in this series, please make sure you go back and give them a listen because we talk about the importance of play when it comes to achieving all of your baby's milestones and ways in which we can find more joy in our parenting journey. We also discuss the different ways to do tummy time and to prevent flattening of your baby's head. There is so much amazing information coming up in this kids physio series. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss out. In the next few episodes in this kids physio series, we'll be covering the down low on baby carriers and whether or not baby toys and activity centers are helpful or harmful. Now, remember, we also have four bonus videos exclusively available to members inside the Pregnancy Posse where Nicole talks us through different play ideas for babies aged zero to three months old. Now, this entire podcast series and all our other podcast series, along with all of our exclusive member-only content, is all live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So if you'd love to access all the bonus content and listen to or watch this entire podcast series right now, rather than waiting for future episodes to come out, then please do check out the Pregnancy Posse. I have taken my years of experience helping pregnant and postnatal women as a women's health physiotherapist and made this accessible to every wonderful woman online inside the Pregnancy Posse. When you join the Pregnancy Posse, I will guide you week by week through your pregnancy with safe weekly exercise workouts tailored to your exact week of pregnancy. I also do a weekly Q&A session where I answer all of your amazing questions and there is a wonderful community forum where Posse members all support each other plus an extensive resources library which will help you avoid googling all of your pregnant symptoms. (laughs) Now, I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. Now, let's get into episode three of our five-part kids physio series. Let's chat all about timeframes for crawling and remove the pressure off parents if your child doesn't crawl the traditional way straight away. Enjoy. So let's talk about crawling. That's kind of the next major milestone that a lot of mums and dads will be looking at. So can we unpack why is crawling important? How do we encourage our babes to crawl? And also I got a lot of questions coming in about how important is it if our babies don't crawl traditionally, i.e. they do the bum shuffle or the commando crawl or they just skip it and go straight to standing. 
Mm, okay, so yes, firstly, um, let's just start with hands and knees crawling. So the average, so 50% of babies will do this by about eight and a half months, but some babies will do it as early as five months and as late as 13 months. Now, from a physio perspective and child health nurse perspective and a GP perspective, we want your baby to be moving on their own around, whether that be bum shuffling, crawling or cruising by 12 months. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we want them to be starting to engage in independent movement. And by 12 months, we also want them to be happy to be starting to put weight, like to be, if you hold them, that they're happy to sort of stand. They might not be standing by themselves, but they're happy to have that that weight through their feet. And like I said, with these things that we talk about, it doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong, but um, it's just something that where we check in on and do we need to do some more support in one area or another. So that's hands and knees crawling. So there, that's the range of when babies will um, develop that hands and knees crawling skill. But there is data out there by the World Health Organization that shows that not all babies will hands and knees crawl. Like in in our normal population, some will bum shuffle and some will commando crawl. And often you see their bubs commando crawl and commando crawl earlier, and they're, they're really motivated to move once. <laughs> Have all these different styles, and I think what the research shows is that. The bubs that are like doing all these, you know, that are commando crawling or interim crawling or doing these different things, they have a lot of variance in the way that they they build up to that skill. And then when they hands and when if you watch babies really closely, even when they start moving on hands and knees, they change the way they do it all the time. So they're, you know, they start off like robots and then they become more smoother and they become almost like daredevils, like climbing off and over things as they get older. Um, whereas some babies are just happy sitting and then moving and you sort of in now sitting and then they just take off crawling and they never commando crawled. Neither is right or wrong. And I think it comes back to variance and variance in personality and variance in environment. Like you're not really going to be commandoing all over the place if you have a tiny little apartment. Um, you know, unless you've got a really daredevil child that wants to be in everything. Um, so there's lots of factors to play into that. And there are countries where it's they don't want babies to crawl because being on the ground isn't safe. And so they want them to sit more and they will bum shuffle because they sit them a lot. So some babies bum shuffle. Yeah, yeah. So in Papua New Guinea, like there's some data and interesting data because, you know, snakes and diseases and things is they don't want them to crawl away so they don't encourage tummy time because tummy time like the crawling can happen getting into hands and knees can happen from two ways one from being on their tummy and they start to push up and then they start to sort of do little planks and then they start to become into that little downward dog and then they get their knees under and then they start locking and then they off they go or they can be in sitting and they're just sitting around they start to learn to sort of move in and out of like sitting like this and then they sort of move over onto their hands and often that's when I'll get parents saying they can't get the leg out why can't they get the leg out and that's because their weight is still in their bum behind like behind their shoulders and it's only when they get really adventurous and start to bring their weight over their hands that that leg will come out and then they start rocking and then they start crawling and so there's different ways to get to crawling and that's okay um but yeah some bubs will bum shuffle because they you know a lot of our hip hip dysplasia bubs that have been sitting because tummy time's a little bit harder in in for some bubs in braces um they they sit a lot and that's um that's normal because they're in their braces but they develop a really strong core in one direction bum shuffling is a natural progression from that um and so when we talk about bum shuffling and oh bum shuffling's bad well 
let's find out a little bit more about the child because it's not necessarily a bad thing. They, they've figured out a way to move and they're super keen to move, which is a great thing. I'm more worried about bubs that don't seem to be progressing in their motor skills at all. Um, we like crawling because it gives you weight through your hands and your shoulders, which helps with building body awareness and strength. I am not sold on the research around like, oh, if my baby doesn't crawl, they'll have poor handwriting. I can't find that anywhere. I don't know where this has come from. I think it's come from therapists, but that's anecdotal. And the population that we see in the clinic is biased because we're seeing kids that need help with things, but we're missing like, you know, and they, well, they didn't crawl, but what about all the kids that didn't crawl and still haven't, we don't see them because they haven't presented to clinics. So there's not really any solid research around, I think I found one article about handwriting and they found there was like no difference in like the actual stuff. It was just the way they held the pen that was a little bit different, um, which was interesting. But then there are some bubs that there's some research that, that shows that, um, that babies that that some babies some kids that didn't crawl have a little bit more shoulder play in their joints and um that I don't think crawling I don't think you can say crawling caused that I think possibly it could have always they might have been lower tone and more flexible and so it was harder and so bum shuffling was a more effective efficient form of movement for them mm-hmm. so yeah like that cause and effect thing I don't like the scaring of parents oh if they don't do this this is going to happen. Like I always get so frustrated because where did that come from? It's such a black and white statement. Like why aren't we questioning this as parents? And like, or you go to a, you know, a class and they're like, oh, you shouldn't sit your baby. Why? Why shouldn't I sit my baby? What do you mean I shouldn't sit my baby? How old? Like, you know, what do you mean? Like, oh, well, if you sit them, they'll damage this. Where is that evidence? Like, mm. I'm not sitting them at two months. Like, they're, you know, four, five, six months and they're they're able to hold that Then they're in a bit wobbly and I'm right there and I'm helping them in and out of it. Like, why? Why shouldn't I sit my baby? Or, you know, but they should learn to sit there, get there by themselves. Well, that's fine, but he's so super refluxy and he doesn't want to be on his tummy, so it's going to be really hard for him. Yes. So every baby is different and every situation is different and the black and white statements really grind my gears. Um, Crawling is fantastic for different things, but also, as I mentioned before, babies aren't going to crawl until that visual system being through the leap. And there's some beautiful research to show that babies go through phases of using both hands and then using one hand and then both hands and using another hand again and like goes in and that's normal. Um, and crawling will come on at a time where they've gone from using both hands to using one hand again. And that's so like they start to learn to that reach with one hand rather than being all oh, my hands work together. I can work. And so um, there's like all these little pieces of the puzzle that are coming together. But, um, but yeah, I, I really love crawling and there's, there's a different ways to get there and so helping your bub have those experiences through play but one of the things that comes up I guess when people are like oh my baby doesn't can't get from sitting to crawling is that I find that we don't change our play environment so you know we've just got a big free floor space but actually once baby has is happy on their tummy and starting to move into these positions we need to layer up like let's layer up the toys you know using couch cushions or aerobic steps or um, the cot mattress or um, you turned over HelloFresh box and different things to like create layers in your environment because that encourages baby to be more explorative and you know if I can't oh, I can sort of see it where is it and they explore their body in different ways um, but yeah it's that it's remembering like if you were going to the gym 
or if you're going to surfing and you or you're going to netball training and you do the same drills over and over again for six months, it's pretty boring. So we've got to mix it a little bit. Yeah. I love that. And I like that you said, um, you know, this is the range at which mm. kids might crawl because you said 13 months, which I think people would find shocking because that's normally when you're thinking about walking. So I yep. love that you clarified there's a big variety of normal. And I also, what you were saying before, I really loved as well because I think there is a lot of future tripping fear with parents where they are told, well, if your child doesn't do this now, like you said, they're going to have issues in the long term with upper development and handwriting and all sorts of things. And it is so true. It's like you can't draw a parallel just because there's those two factors. It's Is it the chicken or the egg? Like maybe your child has hypermobile shoulders and that's why they don't want to crawl as opposed to they didn't crawl, therefore they now have shoulder, you know, issues. They might be a really good diver or a really good, you know, at right. something else that like they need that mobility for. Um, or a really good swimmer. Michael Phelps has super hypermobile shoulders. And you know, um, it's funny because if you speak to a lot of elite athletes, they're like, Oh, I didn't crawl, but like we're not picking those up, and that's no. anecdotal again. But like that's what I'm I'm saying is that when therapists are saying this, where we're, you, we're not basing it on long-term research studies. We're basing it on clinical experience and our population is biased to that. Um, and it will be really interesting to have those big, and the World Health Organization does have those big health studies which shows the variance and obviously that's across different populations. And I think that I come back to is those mini milestones. Are you seeing your baby turn around on a circle, go backwards, start to go onto a plank, start to go into downward dog and then start to rock? Or are they more unhappy in sitting and then, but they can get in and out of sitting and then they're starting to go that way? Like if you're seeing that progression, that's great. And it can take like two or three months or four months for those babies to work through that progression, whereas people go, oh, my God, they're on hands and knees, they're going to be crawling tomorrow. Probably not. Some babies, maybe. But, again, like it's just... It just depends. Um, and it's it's not people go, oh, well, you know, my baby's rocking on hands and knees. How long until they crawl? And I, you know, average four to six weeks. Could be longer, could be three weeks, you know, but I don't know. That's an average in my clinical experience. Again, not very much research on that. But um, as long as you can see them progressing through those mini milestones and that takes the pressure off when someone's like, oh, your baby's eight and a half months, they're not crawling. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, can, I know, but I can see them getting there. So go and bother somebody else yeah <laughs> you know, that's that empowerment that we need as parents not the fear-mongering oh well they're eight months and they're not crawling what are you doing about it <laughs> um whereas i think we can do better as well in the pediatric space as health professionals is less fear-mongering and more empowerment and and understanding of that developmental process yeah, and not just jumping straight to pathologizing children but understanding how unique they are and i love what you said about are they moving somehow? Like, are they just trying to get themselves around? That is what we're looking for. Like, it may not look exactly perfect, but how boring if we all did exactly the same things at exactly the same time. <laughs> I know. I say to parents, what about running styles? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, does everybody have the same running style? Well, no. It's like, but can we all run? Yes. Okay, well, does it matter? Well, you know, if they're getting pain or like, you know, they don't want to or they suddenly stop, like, yeah, then we'd have a look at it. But no, everybody runs differently and everyone has a running style that's unique to their body. And, you know, we can always 
like improve our performance in everything that we do but do we need to isn't it a, is it efficient for me is it is it really gaining anything is it going to make them elite athlete probably probably i don't know i don't think so like this might not be a prereq is to everybody crawling perfectly to be an elite athlete i don't think so um but i, I think that strive to, for, for perfection in parents comes across everything not just like motor skills but feeding and sleeping and all of the rest and I think and then I think why are we striving for perfection when nothing like nobody is perfect and everybody's different but I think as a new mum that first time around especially you have that that I am responsible for my child's xyz whereas actually it's it's no you're just the helper of your child and the protector but it's not it's it's you can't really explain that until you're in that zone and you can make that shift yourself so it's hard but i think giving better information and that empowerment is is a is a nice approach that's what i'm trying to do and i liked your um analogy of the lighthouse you're the lighthouse like you're not captain of the ship you can't control what they're going to do but you can steer them you know, you can help guide them. Um, I had a friend recently, this is a slight side note, but similar. She was saying how, because I'm in the toddler phase where there's some mm. tantrums and things like that. And she was saying, you can't all, you can't take responsibility for their bad behavior. They're just having a moment. It's not your fault. You've not necessarily done anything wrong. But on the flip side, you can't also always take the praise and the responsibility for all their good things either. Like if they are early milestone achievers or if they, you know, are well behaved in public, you can't go, oh, that's because I'm amazing. So it's about just taking the pressure off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, one thing I remember is that, well, not I remember, I come back to is that um, I feel like, and I might be wrong in this, but I feel like we generally, as in Australia, in our culture, do not think our children should be distressed. And distress is really important. Like it's really important for problem solving. And we, we all get distressed every day. Like things happen, you know, you're running late, the lights are red, you know, you're a little bit stressed about that or you know someone says something that you're like a bit sensitive like that's you being distressed all day and unless you've had the experience in the past to work through that and problems or that but sometimes we try and take away that distress and the same thing comes with motor skills like they need to get frustrated to be able to explore their body and test their limits every parent will have a different level of frustration that you can tolerate before you jump in that's okay i'm not saying you have to let them you know like and, you know, the more children you have, your frustration um, tolerance usually increases. Um, yeah. but, but, um, but you have to you have to do what's comfortable for you because they're feeding off you as well. So if you think I can't let them get frustrated to start with and then I'm only going to do it, like, that's okay. And I'm not talking about crying. It's, you know, the grunting, like, <laughs> like that, that almost like expression because that's all they have is their voice to express with. Um, and so you have to decide what level you're comfortable with them being frustrated and what level you're going to jump in with. And then if that level is going to be okay over time or you feel like you need to step back a little bit further and it's the same same with everything they do in life. But I feel like sometimes with milestones we're so wanting to be hands-on and do things for them with their legs or move them in and like, you know, as they get older when we really need to step back and let them explore that a little bit more. Mm. You know, with non-typically developing kids, I would do a little bit more hands-on, but even still there's beautiful research to show that the less you can give, the more they can learn themselves. So, Mm, I love that. (laughs) (coughs) We're in a phase at the moment where 
my sounded originally like my daughter was being you know hit or something drastic was happening but she's just frustrated she couldn't put her gum boots on so we're going through a frustration with putting shoes on at the moment and I agree with you is that you've got to acknowledge what your tolerance as a parent is Mm. but it's a great way for them to problem solve is to get frustrated and then go, how am I going to do this without mum and dad always having to swoop in and rescue them? Because they're not distressed, they're just frustrated and it's okay yep. to let them have a little bit of that. You know, yep. again, what whatever you can tolerate too some days. And also, yeah, some days you just need to get to daycare. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just shove your boots on. I think in you get in your head it has to be all the time and it doesn't have to be all the time at all and so um yeah yeah it's that it's just that balance and everybody's balance is different it's like well should I make my baby independent play or should I play with them I was like I don't know choose what balance fits right for you like and again everything you're saying is just coming back to acknowledging your uniqueness your family values your child's personality there is no black and white one size fits all you need to tune into your baby a textbook's not going to be able to tell you the answers it might help you but you Mm. need to really be attuned to them don't you so yeah I love that yeah now I was thinking we probably should have um, spoken about this with tummy time but we're going to talk about it now Hey mamas, Laura here. Now, whether you have a crawling baby now or are getting prepared ahead of time for this milestone, I really hope you got a lot out of that episode. And for those that may still be concerned about the ways in which your child crawls, I have personally known a bum shuffler and a skip straight to walking baby, and both of them are athletic, coordinated, and very strong individuals. So please don't stress. (laughs) Now, I also thought it was important that Nicole mentioned it is okay to let our children get a little bit frustrated sometimes, and that it's important to acknowledge the level of frustration that we feel most comfortable with as parents. Now, if you'd like to learn more from Nicole, you can find her on Instagram at Nicole underscore kids physio. And as always, I would love to hear from you over on my socials at physio Laura and let me know what your favorite learning was from this episode. And if you had a non-traditional crawler with any of your children. Now, in the next few episodes of this kids physio series, we'll be chatting with Nicole about baby carriers and whether or not baby toys and activity centers are helpful or harmful for your child's development. And if you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so that you don't miss our upcoming episodes in this wonderful Kids Physio series. And if you love today's episode and you want to watch the next two episodes in this Kids Physio series, you can find this entire series along with all our other podcast series live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So for most series of the podcast, we also record the exclusive bonus content for Pregnancy Posse members. And in the bonus member-only episode for this Kids Physio series, Nicole shares with us four bonus videos which demonstrate play-based ideas for babies aged zero to three months. And remember, inside the Pregnancy Posse, you'll also find our weekly guided pregnancy workouts and extensive resources library on things like birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises, and managing pelvic pain, plus a wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with me. I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth, and postnatal experience. So just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what The Pregnancy Posse is all about. I will catch you soon for episode four in this five-part kids physio series where we'll be chatting all about baby carriers, which is a topic I get asked about almost every day. So until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.